0: I mean, as though it's good to remember that this weekend isn't about just a three-day holiday and going to the lake, but it's about remembering those who really have paid the ultimate sacrifice to us for us to enjoy the freedoms that we have here in America. Let's pray for those families really quickly. God, we just pray right now that you would be with the families of every person who's given their life so that we can experience freedom in this country. God, I thank you for the men and women who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for us to live here and to worship and to be in this room honoring you this morning because they have put their life on the line for the freedoms that we so readily have today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a round of applause for those. Well, if you have not passed your books yet, if you would, go ahead and pass those. There's note cards in there. If you want to take notes, go ahead and sign in. And we are going to jump in this morning with the book of Hosea. Uh, it's my privilege to be able to speak with you guys this morning on this book. Very excited about this. So, I'll give you a little bit of background. If you're taking notes, sorry, uh, the title is Jesus in Hosea and it's Faithful Father is what we're talking about. How many of you guys realize God is a faithful father? Now, He really, truly is. And this book is a great depiction of the love that He has for His people and for us that really is unescapable. So, a little bit of background here. This entire book talks about God's faithfulness through Hosea, who stays faithful to his unfaithful wife. And the thing that I love about this book is this book, the title is Hosea, which actually means salvation. For me, this is a huge morning for me. Uh, I grew up in church. You know, I was baptized when I was little and was a part of church, part of a youth group. And then really turned away from everything that had to do with church and God and didn't want to have anything to do with it. And this is actually the book that was being preached on the day that I decided to give my life back to God and turn things around in my life. So I'm excited to be able to preach this to you guys this morning and share some of that revelation that God gave me with you guys. So really excited about that. But this book really just shows a lot of this repeated cycle of God's uh, restoration and judgment of all that went, went along with the Israelites is they walked away from God, turned back, walked away, turned back. Anybody ever feel like that in your own life? It's like this cycle of, okay, I got my stuff right. Oh, no, I'm messing up. Okay, wait, let's get it back in order, and I'm messing up again. We kind of live in this cycle, and this talks a lot about this. So, if you got your Bibles, turn with me. Hosea chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 2. It says, when the Lord first began to speak to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I read that and I think, okay, God spoke to the prophet, go and marry a prostitute. This prostitute's name was Gomer, first of all. Uh, I want to pause right there because I don't know about you guys, but anybody ever watch... uh, What's the old show? I grew up watching it all the time. Andy Griffith show. Anybody ever seen that show? Right. Like I grew up on that show. So every time I read this book, that face is in my mind. Okay, and it's like, how did this go? Hosea walks up. Hey, you wanna go get a drink at the whatever it's called, the local well? You know. Well, golly, let's go. Yeah. You know, what what went on here? Like this is in my mind. This is, is the craziest name for a woman ever. I know I'm side noting, sorry, but like my brain has to jump this hurdle. And here's the thing. God tells Hosea, go and marry a prostitute named Gomer. Okay. So he does it. God ever asked you to do something before that you thought, who, me? That had to be that kind of moment for him. I don't know. It doesn't say it, but for me, that had to be that kind of moment. And as he took her in, became married to her, she gave him three kids two boys and a girl. And it's so significant. I wanna talk to you a little bit about those because this really is a great depiction of God's love for us and what it is that God wants to do. So jump down to verse four. She became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, Name the child Yezreel, for I am about to punish King Jehu and his dynasty to avenge the murders he has committed. In the Yezreel Valley, that name, Yezreel means God sows. And there's something really important about this name, because this name is actually mentioned twice as we begin to read through here. It it talks about all of the sons and daughters, but this one is actually mentioned twice. So at this point, God gives him a son. He says, okay, this is going to be your child, and I am going to punish this ruler for all the things that he's done. Okay? And he goes on, verse 6, she gave birth to a daughter, and the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Loramama, Lorahama, not Loramama, Lorahama, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them because they've turned their back on me. Verse 8, she again becomes pregnant and gives birth to a second son, and the Lord said, name him Loami, which means not my people. How many of you guys are like, this is the most uplifting book I've ever read so far, right? Like, this is crazy. Like, you start reading this book, and it's like, what is going on here? And then it gets really beautiful, in all honesty. Jump to verse 10. Yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands on the seashores. Too many to count. Then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said that you are the children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together. They will choose one leader for themselves, and they will return from exile together. What a day that will be, the day of Yezreel, when God will again plant his people. Follow me, because even in the names of these children, God is describing something. He's giving us a picture of something here. And it's initially, God is, I'm gonna sow, God's sowing, and He's investing, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna vindicate you for all that's gone on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give everything right here in this point. And then you're not my people, you're not loved. Anybody else ever walk through a progression? where you have this incredible experience with God and you have this moment where the power of God hits you. Maybe it's a great service. Maybe it's a great camp. Maybe it's a great conference. Maybe it's just you alone in your bedroom with your Bible and you just have this moment with God. And then two, three weeks later, it's like, man, that was a good moment. I wish I could have that again. Right? And we kind of start to lose sight of that. And then maybe a month or two months later, it's like, man, God, where are you in my life? Anybody else ever feel like you're in that cycle? See, here's the thing about this. They begin this cycle, and it's this cycle of God reconciling you, then us neglecting him, and then us ultimately rejecting him, all so that he can reconcile us again. And that's the picture that begins to be portrayed throughout here. Because as Israel turned away, as Israel walked away, God continued to love them. He continued to pursue them. He continued to chase after them. And it didn't matter how far they went. There was consequences to the things that they had brought and the things that they had done. But he never left them. He never forgot about them. He never said, you know what, that's too much. I'm done. He never said, that's too much. I'm done. I can't can't handle any more of it. Because he loved you too much to walk away. Think about that for a minute. How many times have you felt like, God, this is, I've just done too much. I've been gone too long. I've I've messed up too bad. There's no way for me to come back from where I'm at. You're never too far gone. He never stopped. He never stopped pursuing them. He never stopped loving them. And this isn't just a part of this book. This is the entire book. If you jump to Hosea 2, verses 14 and 15. But then I will win her back once again, and I will lead her into the desert, and I will speak tenderly to her. I will return her vineyards to her, and I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. See, here's the beauty of it. Anybody ever walk away from God or ever turn away from God, ever make a mistake, ever fall, and then feel like, man, I just got to start all over now, right? Here's the beauty of it. You don't start over because he never stopped loving you. Do you follow me? He's still there, and he'll restore to you that which he's called you. A lot of times we walk away from the anointing that God put on our life or the call God put on our life. Maybe there's a dream that he's put inside of you. Maybe there's something he spoke to you that this is part of your assignment while you're on earth, and you've walked away from it. You've turned away from it. You began a different career. Maybe you decided to do something different, and you're waiting and longing, and you think that dream is dead. Just because you're not in it at the moment doesn't mean God removed it from you. Do you follow me? Sometimes there are dreams that God's put in our heart that lay dormant because we've walked away from where he's called us to be. So it's not that he ever took that call off your life. It's simply you're not walking in it at the moment. And when we begin to get back in alignment with who God's called us to be, he returns life to that vision. He returns life to that dream. And he begins to excite you about something that you once were excited about. Anybody ever have that moment? where you thought a dream was dead, and all of a sudden it's like, wait, no, I'm too old for that. No, I've done too much wrong for God to be able to use me here. No, you don't understand my past. God can't use me here. He told Hosea to marry a prostitute, and from that showed his faithfulness and love to Israel repeatedly. It wasn't like you're going to marry a prostitute and turn her into the finest woman in all of the land. No, you're going to marry a prostitute. You're going to have kids. She's going to leave you and prostitute again. You're going to go get her again. Then she's going to leave you and go prostitute some more. You're going to go follow after her. You're going to love her. You're going to bring her back in so that she can go prostitute again. And you'll continue to go after her as a depiction of my love for the children of Israel, no matter how many times they've walked away from me. last verse that I want to really hit on. It's Hosea 3, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though his people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Let me just mention something for a second. A lot of times we talk about sin. And how many of you guys realize when you look at somebody else's sin, it's easy to see how ugly that sin is, right? I can't believe you would get involved in that. How many of you realize your sin is your sin because it's your struggle, right? Sin is fun for a season. There's something attractive about sin. If it wasn't, we wouldn't do it. But a lot of times we look at other people's sin and other people's struggle, and we begin to look at that and think, man, how could you ever do that? How could you ever think like that? How could you ever live like that? Because we don't struggle with that area. Because we don't identify with that struggle. So we think, how in the world could you be so far off base? All while we come home and deal with our own struggle and our own sin that is our problem that other people would look at and say, man, how did you ever get so far off base? Do you follow me? Your struggle is your struggle because it's the area that Satan can tempt you with. He's not going to tempt you with somebody else's struggle. He knows what your weakness is. Do you follow me? There's something about the conversation that God wants to have with us that really is enlightening. It brings us to a greater depth and understanding of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. It's not just about, I'm going to get saved so I can do my best never to sin again. That really isn't the plan of God for your life. The plan of God for your life is I'm going to get saved so that he can restore my life, transform my life, and I can impact the world around me with who and what he's called me to do. But we can't do that if we sit back from a perspective where we sit and we look at other people's sin, and we don't understand the love and the grace of God because we've gotten it wrong so often because in our culture we have a really hard time understanding what true love is. The Message Bible put it like this. It says, Hosea is the prophet of love, but not love as we imagine or fantasize about it. He was a parable of God's love for his people. When your minds and imagination are crippled with the lies about love, we have a hard time understanding the fundamental ingredient for daily living love. Anybody think our culture has a really hard time understanding what love truly is? And they're never going to get it if we as the church don't understand the love and the grace of God and begin to show it to the culture that needs it. Where else are they going to get it? I mean, think about it for a second. We love romantic movies. We love all of these things that talk about love. Anybody ever seen The Notebook? Right? Some of the girls are like, oh, The Notebook, such a beautiful love story. Are you kidding me? Look at what we call great love stories. They fell in love. They left each other. She got engaged to somebody else. He moved back. They slept together. She left the person she was engaged to so they could get married and die with her not even knowing who he was. How beautiful. Are you kidding me? That's not a great love story. But we've manipulated the emotion of love so that we can look at something that really isn't beauty. It's not love at all and we can say, oh, that's love. No, it's not. It's a manipulated emotion, because the true love and grace of Jesus Christ is, I don't care how many times you've messed up, I never left you. I don't care how far you've gone from me, I didn't give up on you. I don't care if you don't feel like I can use you, I can use you, because I called you, I created you, and there's a purpose to your life. We should constantly live a life empowered by the power of God in the presence of God. See, anybody else in here have allergies? I'm going to use this illustration. i got horrible, horrible allergies. If I get out in, like, the weeds and I go mow the grass, I come in and I look like the blueberry girl from Willy Wonka. Okay? It's just like, like, it's horrible. So I come in, I down a whole bunch of Benadryl and hope that my face goes back to normal. Okay? But here's the problem. We live the same way as Christians. We come in and our life is falling apart. It feels wrecked and out of place. We come in and we get as much Jesus as we can crammed into a little space. And then we try to live that out until we run out. And then we need as much Jesus as we can to live it out. Instead, he should be our daily dose where I don't have to get medicated to fix my issue and hope that it gets me back to normal. I need to live every day normal where I hear the voice of God, I walk in the voice of God, and there's an anointing on my life. There's a conversation that he wants to have. There's a conversation that he's trying to have with us every single day about the assignment and the love of Jesus Christ on our life that we miss so often because we're so hung up on what we walked out of. We're so hung up on, well, God, I just don't know if you can really use me. He said, go marry a prostitute. And when she leaves you to prostitute again, go get her again. And when she leaves you to prostitute again, in case you missed it, Let's read this one more time. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. Hosea 3.1. Again and again and again. The love of God is not dependent on how you feel at the moment. The love of God is constant because he didn't give up on you at any point. It is a constant love. Whether you're with him or you're not, I don't feel God. That's because you separated yourself from him, not because he left you. All you have to do is turn around. But there's a conversation. Anybody ever had wives? I know you guys are going to jump in with this because mine would be screaming in the front row. Uh, But she's helping kids right now. Guys, you ever watch movies and you totally check out and it's like, (sighs) that's all. There's nothing else in the house. There's nothing else going on in the world. And your wife walks up and, hey, can you know this? "Uh Uh-huh. It never happens. I thought we talked about that. We didn't have that conversation. Right? Here's the problem. As Christians, we've got to stop going through our lives so focused on what is entertaining us that we're missing out on the conversation that God is trying to have with us. We can't sit back and expect to live empowered lives If we merely settle for existing, God cares more about what he's called you to do than he does about how comfortable you are doing it. I'm telling you, there was probably nothing comfortable when Hosea heard from God, go marry a prostitute. I don't know about you, but there's probably not a long line of people saying, sign me up. It probably wasn't the most comfortable situation. But if your life is set on what makes you comfortable, I promise you there's a lot that you're missing out on of the call of God that He's put on your life. There's something He wants to use you for. there's something He wants to do inside of you. And let me correct the way I said that. It's not that there's something He wants to use you for. There's something He wants to partner with you on. You follow me? Love doesn't use you for anything. Love partners with you for everything. And we've got to understand that that's who God's called us to be. Who's he called you to partner with today? Whose life did he call you to be a part of today? Who in the world around you needs to see a never-ending love and grace that Jesus showed you? where is that? See, this last Wednesday night, our college crew, we met and we talked about hearing the voice of God and getting outside of just these four walls and what makes us comfortable and actually living a life of knowing what God's speaking to you and living a life where we're actually having the conversation with God. So we did something new. We broke into two groups and we got in two cars and we got in And we said, you know what? Let's drive around and let's pray and let's ask God what he wants us to do. Who does he want us to pray for? Where does he want us to go? What assignment has he given us for tonight? We got in our car, and we left. And I'm gonna be real honest with you. Can we do that in church? We drove out of the parking lot and everybody in my car Oh, God, speak to us. Show us. Who is it? We oh, This is going to be empowered. This is going to be powerful. This is going to be amazing. And I'm sitting there, God, please show up and do something because we're doing this. Like, right? I just needed God to show up. I'll be honest with you. Here's the thing. We began to drive around. We wound up at Starbucks. Don't, not to get a drink. It, Starbucks was almost closed. There was like two minutes left. We get to Starbucks and they're sweeping, they're mopping, they're cleaning up. Wednesday was the last day of school, so I had Riker, my six-year-old, with me. And there's, I think, seven of us. And we're sitting in front of Starbucks, because we felt like there was somebody there we needed to pray for. And we get there, they're mopping, they're cleaning, and we think, man, we missed it. It's closed. Let's just sit here for a minute. Maybe God will open the door. And as I sat there, my six-year-old says, we need to pray for that guy right there who's mopping. And I said, well, son, you know, the doors are locked. Let's, you know, let's pray. Maybe God will bring him out here and we can talk to him. And as we sat there for a minute, we realized there was a girl on the inside reading a book. The doors weren't locked. They were just cleaning. So we said, you know what? Let's go pray for this girl. Let's see. You know, I think that's who we're supposed to pray for. So we get in. We walk up and we say, hey, I got a crazy, crazy question for you. Can we pray for you? we were with college group, and we just felt like God told us, we need to come pray for you. Is there something we can pray for you about? And she responded, I'm about to leave on a mission trip for Africa. So is my friend. Can we pray for him too? And she grabs the guy with the mop. <laughs> I get emotional because here's the thing. I want to hear God's voice in my life. But more than that, I want my six-year-old to know God told me to pray for that guy. And he brought him into the conversation. What conversation does God want to bring you into? And all we need to do is say, I want to pray for that guy. I want to pray for that, girl. I think there's something God has on your life, and I'm going to call it out. I'm going to speak right to it because there is something about the anointing of God that I don't even know what it is. I don't know the plan, but I see something inside of you. What life has God called you to speak into the world that you're a part of? Where is it that you're speaking the love of Jesus Christ? Not because you agree, but because God's love is constant. Not because you both are voting for the same candidate, but because God's love is constant. Not because you like all the same things on Facebook. Not because that person treated you kindly, but because God's word and God's love is constant. And it's not based on our emotion of the moment. It's based on a never-ending, unwavering love of Jesus Christ for every single person on this planet. And they will never see it if we don't show it.